Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, I'm the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, Twitter, at Coach Jan Shaw, um, Telegram, US, UK Patriot, and on Truth Social, Success Alchemist. Today is the 8th of June, 2022, and the title of today's show is COVID Update, What is the Truth? The Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, Trial, Red Pill, and January 6th, Show Trial. So I'm going to start with something I found very interesting. Um, this was passed on by a friend on Facebook, and the title of the article is COVID Update, What is the Truth? The very surprising thing about this article is that it's actually published on the NIH website. Well, you know, knowing how they've twisted the truth about the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, I'm very surprised to have found this article on that site. So I'm going to go through it. I think it's quite a long article. Yes, it is. Uh, it's a few days since I read it. So uh, it's published by Russell L. Blaylock, or that's the author, I should say. And um, I'm not seeing a date on this, but I will just go through it. The COVID-19 pandemic is one of the most manipulated infectious disease events in history, characterised by official lies in an unending stream led by government bureaucracies, medical associations, medical boards, the media and international agencies. We have witnessed a long list of unprecedented intrusions into medical practice including attacks on medical experts, destruction of medical careers among doctors refusing to participate in killing their patients, and a massive regimentation of health care led by non-qualified individuals with enormous wealth, power and influence. For the first time in American history, a president, governors, mayors, hospital administrators and federal bureaucrats are determining medical treatments based not on accurate scientifically based or even experience based information, but rather to force the acceptance of special forms of care and prevention, including remdesivir, use of respirators and ultimately a series of essentially untested messenger RNA vaccines. For the first time in history, medical treatment protocols are not being formulated based on the experience of the physicians treating the largest number of patients successfully, but rather individuals and bureaucracies that have never treated a single patient, including Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, EcoHealth Alliance, the CDC, WHO, state public health officers and hospital administrators. The media, TV, newspapers, magazines, etc., medical societies, state medical boards and the owners of social media have appointed themselves to be the sole source of information concerning this so-called pandemic. Websites have been removed, highly credentialed and experienced clinical doctors and scientific experts in the field of infectious diseases have been demonised, careers have been destroyed and all dissenting information has been labelled misinformation and dangerous lies, even when sourced from top experts in the fields of virology, infectious diseases, pulmonary critical care and epidemiology. These blackouts of truth occur even when this information is backed by extensive scientific citations from some of the most qualified medical specialists in the world. Incredibly, even individuals 
such as Dr. Michael Yaden, a retired ex-chief scientist and vice president for the science division of Pfizer Pharmaceutical Company in the UK, who charged the company with making an extremely dangerous vaccine, is ignored and demonised. Further, he, along with other highly qualified scientists, have stated that no one should take this vaccine. Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the most cited experts in his field, who has successfully treated over 2,000 COVID patients by using a protocol of early treatment, which the so-called experts completely ignored, has been the victim of a particularly vicious assault by those benefiting financially from the vaccines. He has published his results in peer-reviewed journals, reporting an 80% reduction in hospitalizations and a 75% reduction in deaths by using early treatment. Despite this, he is under an unrelenting series of attacks by the information controllers, none of which have, cre have treated a single patient. Neither Anthony Fauci, the CDC, who nor any medical governmental establishment has ever offered any early treatment other than Tylenol, hydration and call an ambulance once you have difficulty breathing. This is unprecedented in the entire history of medical care as early treatment of infections is critical to saving lives and preventing severe complications. Not only have these medical organisations and federal lapdogs not even suggested early treatment, they attacked anyone who attempted to initiate such treatment with all the weapons at their disposal. Loss of licence, removal of hospital privileges, shaming, destruction of reputations and even arrest. A good example of this outrage against freedom of speech and providing informed consent information is the recent suspension by the medical board in Maine of Dr. Merrill Nass's medical license and the ordering of her to undergo a psychiatric evaluation for prescribing ivermectin and sharing her expertise in this field. I know Dr. Nass personally and can vouch for her integrity, brilliance and dedication to truth. Her scientific credentials are impeccable. This behaviour by a medical licensing board is reminiscent of the methodology of the Soviet KGB during the period when dissidents were incarcerated in psychiatric gulags to silence their dissent. Other unprecedented attacks. Another unprecedented tactic is to remove dissenting doctors from their positions as journal editors, reviewers and retracting of their scientific papers from journals, even after these papers have been in print. Until this pandemic event, I have never seen so many journal papers being retracted, the vast majority promoting alternatives to official dogma, especially if the papers question vaccine safety. Normally, a submitted paper or study is reviewed by experts in the field called peer review. These reviews can be quite intense and nitpicking in detail, insisting that all errors within the paper be corrected before publication. So, unless fraud or some other major hidden problem is discovered, after the paper is in print, the paper remains in the scientific literature. We are now witnessing a growing number of excellent scientific papers written by top experts in the field being retracted from major medical and scientific journals weeks, months and even years after publication. A careful review indicates that in far too many instances, the authors dared question accepted dogma by the controllers of scientific publications, especially concerning the safety, alternative treatments or efficacy of vaccines. These journals rely on extensive advertising by pharmaceutical companies for their revenue. Several instances have occurred where powerful pharmaceutical companies exerted their influence on owners of these journals to remove articles that in any way question these companies' products. Worse still is the actual designing of medical articles for promoting drugs and pharmaceutical products that involve fake studies, so-called ghost-written articles. Richard Horton is quoted by The Guardian as saying journals have devolved into in information laundering operations for the pharmaceutical industry. Proven fraudulent ghost-written articles sponsored by pharmaceutical giants have appeared regularly in top clinical journals, such as JAMA, 
and New England Journal of Medicine, never to be removed despite proven scientific abuse and manipulation of data. Ghostwritten articles involve using planning companies whose job it is to design articles containing manipulated data to support a pharmaceutical product and then have these articles accepted by high-impact clinical journals, that is, the journals most likely to affect clinical decision-making of doctors. Further, they supply doctors in clinical practice with free reprints of these manipulated articles. The Guardian found 250 companies engaged in this ghostwriting business. The final step in designing these articles for publication in the most prestigious journals is to recruit well-recognized medical experts from prestigious institutions to add their name to these articles. These recruited medical authors are either paid upon agreeing to add their name to these pre-written articles or they do so for the prestige of having their name on an article in a prestigious medical journal. Of vital importance is the observation by experts in the field of medical publishing that nothing has been done to stop this abuse. Medical ethicists have lamented that because of this widespread practice you can't trust anything. While some journals insist on disclosure information, most doctors reading these articles ignore this information or excuse it, and several journals make disclosure more difficult by requiring the reader to find the disclosure statements at another location. Many journals do not police such statements and omissions by authors are common and without punishment. As concerns the information made available to the public, Virtually all the media is under the control of these pharmaceutical giants or others who are benefiting from this pandemic. Their stories are all the same, both in content and even wording. Orchestrated cover-ups occur daily and massive data exposing the lies being generated by these information controllers are hidden from the public. All data coming over the national media, TV, newspaper and magazines as well as the local news you watch every day, comes only from official sources, most of which are lies, distortions or completely manufactured out of whole cloth, all aimed to deceive the public. Television media receives the majority of its advertising budget from the international pharmaceutical companies. This creates an irresistible influence to report all con concocted studies supporting their vaccines and other so-called treatments. In 2020 alone, the pharmaceutical industry spent $7.56 billion on such advertising. Pharma TV advertising amounted to $4.58 billion, an incredible 75% of their budget. That buys a lot of influence and control over the media. World-famous experts within all fields of infectious diseases are in excluded from media exposure and from social media should they in any way deviate against the concocted lies and distortions by the makers of these vaccines. In addition, these pharmaceutical companies spend tens of millions on social media advertising, with Pfizer leading the pack with $55 million in 2020. While these attacks on free speech are terrifying enough, even worse is the virtually universal control hospital administrators have exercised over the details of medical care in hospitals. These hirelings are now instructing doctors which treatment protocols they will adhere to and which treatments they will not use, no matter how harmful the approved treatments are or how beneficial the unapproved treatments are. Never in the history of American medicine have hospital administrators dictated to its physicians how they will practice medicine and what medications they can use. The CDC has no authority to dictate to hospitals or doctors concerning medical treatments, yet most physicians complied without the slightest resistance. The Federal Care Act encouraged this human disaster by offering all U.S. hospitals up to $39,000 for each ICU patient they put on respirators, despite the fact that early on it was obvious that the respirators were a major cause of death among these unsuspecting trusting patients. In addition, the hospitals received $12,000 for each patient that was admitted to the ICU, 
explaining, in my opinion and others, why all federal medical bureaucracies, CDC, FDA, NIAID, NIH, etc., did all in their power to prevent life-saving early treatments. Letting patients deteriorate to the point they needed hospitalisation meant big money for all hospitals. A growing number of hospitals are in danger of bankruptcy and many have closed their doors even before this pandemic. Most of these hospitals are now owned by national or international corporations, including teaching hospitals. It is also interesting to note that with the arrival of this pandemic, we have witnessed a surge in hospital corporate chains buying up a number of these financially at-risk hospitals. It has been noted that billions in federal COVID aid is being used by these hospital giants to acquire these financially endangered hospitals, further increasing the power of corporate medicine over physician independence. Physicians expelled from their hospitals are finding it difficult to find other hospital staffs to join since they too may be owned by the same corporate giant. As a result, vaccine mandate policies include far larger numbers of hospital employees. For example, Mayo Clinic fired 700 employees for exercising their right to refuse a dangerous, essentially untested experimental vaccine. Mayo Clinic did this despite the fact that many of these employees work during the worst of the epidemic and are being fired when the Omicron variant is the dominant strain of the virus, has the pathogenicity of a common cold for most, and the vaccines are ineffective in preventing the infection. In addition, it has been proven that the vaccinated asymptomatic person has a nasopharyngeal titer of the virus as high as an infected, unvaccinated person. If the person of the vaccine mandate is to prevent viral spread among the hospital staff and patients, then it is the vaccinated who present the greatest risk of transmission, not the unvaccinated. The difference is that a sick, unvaccinated person would not go to work. The asymptomatic vaccinated spreader will. What we do know is that major medical centres such as Mayo Clinic receive tens of millions of dollars in NIH grants each year, as well as monies from the pharmaceutical makers of these experimental vaccines. In my view, that is the real consideration driving these policies. If this could be proven in a court of law, the administrators making these mandates should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and sued by all injured parties. The hospital bankruptcy problem has grown increasingly acute due to hospitals' vaccine mandates and resulting large number of hospital staff, especially nurses, refusing to be forcibly vaccinated. This is all unprecedented in the history of medical care. Doctors within hospitals are responsible for the treatment of their individual patients and work directly with these patients and their families to initiate these treatments. Outside organisations such as the CDC have no authority to intervene in these treatments and to do so exposes the patients to grave errors by an organisation that has never treated a single COVID-19 patient. When this pandemic started, hospitals were ordered by the CDC to follow a treatment protocol that resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of patients, most of whom would have recovered had proper treatments been allowed. The majority of these deaths could have been prevented had doctors been allowed to use early treatment with such products as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and a number of other safe drugs and natural compounds. It has been estimated, based on results by physicians treating the most COVID patients successfully, that of the 800,000 people that we are told died from COVID, 640,000 could have not only been saved, but could have, in many cases, returned to their pre-infection health status had mandated early treatment with these proven methods being used. This neglect of early treatment constitutes mass murder. That means 160,000 would have actually died, far less than the number dying at the hands of bureaucracies, medical associations and medical boards that refuse to stand up for their patients. According to studies of early treatment of thousands of patients by brave caring doctors, 75 to 80% of the deaths could have been prevented.
Incredibly, these knowledgeable doctors were prevented from saving these COVID-19 infected people. It should be an embarrassment to the medical profession that so many doctors mindlessly followed the deadly protocols established by the controllers of medicine. One must also keep in mind that this event never satisfied the criteria for a pandemic. The World Health Organization changed the criteria to make this a pandemic. To qualify for a pandemic status, the virus must have a high mortality rate for the vast majority of people, which it didn't, with a 99.98% survival rate. And it must have no known existing treatments, which this virus had. In fact, a growing number of very successful treatments. The draconian measures established to contain this contrived pandemic have never been shown to be successful, such as masking the public, lockdowns and social distancing. A number of carefully done studies during previous flu seasons demonstrated that masks of any kind have never prevented the spread of the virus among the public. In fact, some very good studies suggested that the masks actually spread the virus by giving people a false sense of security and other factors such as the observation that people were constantly breaking sterile technique by touching their mask, improper removal and by leakage of infectious aerosols around the edges of the mask. In addition, masks were being disposed of in parking lots, walking trails, laid on tabletops in restaurants and placed in pockets and purses. Within a few minutes of putting on the mask, a number of pathogenic bacteria can be cultured from the masks, putting the immune-suppressed person at a high risk of bacterial pneumonia and children at a higher risk of meningitis. A study by researchers at the University of Florida cultured over 11 pathogenic bacteria from the inside of the mask worn by children in schools. It was also known that children were at essentially no risk of either getting sick from the virus or transmitting it. In addition, it was also known that wearing a mask for over four hours, as occurs in all schools, results in significant hypoxia, low blood oxygen levels, and hypercapnia, high CO2 levels, which have a number of deleterious effects on health, including impairing the development of the child's brain. We have known that brain development continues long after the grade school years. A recent study found that children born during the pandemic have significantly lower IQs, yet school boards, school principals and other educational bureaucrats are obviously unconcerned. Tools of the indoctrination trade. The designers of this pandemic anticipated a pushback by the public and that major embarrassing questions would be asked. To prevent this, the controllers fed the media a number of tactics. One of the most commonly used was and is the fact-check scam. With each confrontation with carefully documented evidence, the media fact-checkers countered with the charge of misinformation and an unfounded conspiracy theory charge that was in their lexicon debunked. Never were we told who the fact-checkers were or the source of their debunking information. We were just to believe the fact-checkers. A recent court case established under oath that Facebook fact-checkers used their own staff opinion and not real experts to check facts. When sources are in fact revealed, there are invariably the corrupt CDC, WHO or Anthony Fauci or just their opinion. Here is a list of things that were labelled as myths and misinformation that were later proven to be true. The asymptomatic vaccinated are spreading the virus equally as with unvaccinated symptomatic infected. The vaccines cannot protect adequately against new variants such as Delta and Omicron. Natural immunity is far superior to vaccine immunity and is most likely lifelong. Vaccine immunity not only wanes after several months, but all immune cells are impaired for prolonged periods putting the vaccinated at a high risk of all infections and cancer. Covid vaccines can cause a significant incidence of blood clots and other serious side effects. The vaccine proponents will demand numerous boosters as each variant appears on the scene. Fauci will insist on the Covid vaccine for small children and even babies. Vaccine passports will be required to enter a business, fly in a plane and use public transportation. There will be internal internment camps 
for the unvaccinated, as in Australia, Austria and Canada. The unvaccinated will be denied employment. There are secret agreements between the government, elitist institutions and vaccine makers. Many hospitals were either empty or had low occupancy during the pandemic. The spike protein from the vaccine enters the nucleus of the cell, altering cell DNA repair function. Hundreds of thousands have been killed by the vaccines and many times more have been permanently damaged. Early treatment could have saved the lives of most of the 700,000 who died. Vaccine-induced myocarditis, which was denied initially, is a significant problem and clears over a short period. Special deadly lots, batches of these vaccines are mixed with the mass of other COVID-19 vaccines. Several of these claims by those opposing these vaccines now appear on the CDC website, most still identified as myths. Today, extensive evidence has confirmed that each of these so-called myths were in fact true. Many are even admitted by the saint of vaccines, Anthony Fauci. For example, we were told, even by our cognitively impaired president, that once the vaccine was released, all the vaccinated people could take off their masks. Oops! We were told shortly afterward, the vaccinated have high concentrations, titers, of the virus in their noses and mouths, nasopharynx, and can transmit the virus to others in which they come into contact, especially their own family members. On go the masks once again. In fact, double masking is recommended. The vaccinated are now known to be the main super spreaders of the virus and hospitals are filled with the, with the sick vaccinated and people suffering from serious vaccine complications. Another tactic by the vaccine proponents is to demonise those who reject being vaccinated for a variety of reasons. The media refers to these critically thinking individuals as anti-vaxxers, vaccine deniers, vaccine resistors, murderers, enemies of the greater good and as being the ones prolonging the pandemic. I have been appalled by the vicious, often heartless attacks by some of the people on social media when a parent or loved one relates a story of the terrible suffering and eventual death they or their loved ones suffered as a result of the vaccines. Some psychopaths tweet that they are glad that the loved one died or that the dead vaccinated person was an enemy of good for telling of the event and should be banned. This is hard to conceptualise. This level of cruelty is terrifying and signifies the collapse of a moral, decent and compassionate society. It is bad enough for the, for the public to sink this low, but the media, political leaders, hospital administrators, medical associations and medical licensing boards are acting in a similar morally dysfunctional and cruel way. Logic, reasoning and scientific evidence has disappeared in this event. Has scientific evidence, carefully done studies, clinical experience and medical logic had any effect on stopping these ineffective and dangerous vaccines? Absolutely not. The draconian efforts to vaccinate everyone on the planet continues, except the elite postal workers, members of Congress and other insiders. In the case of all other drugs and previous conventional vaccines under review by the FDA, the otherwise unexplained deaths of 50 or less individuals would result in a halt in further distribution of the product, as happened in 1976 with the swine flu vaccine. With over 18,000 deaths being reported by the VAERS system for the period December 14, 2020 and December 31, 2021, as well as 139,126 serious injuries, including deaths for the same period, there is still no interest in stopping this deadly vaccine programme. Worse, there is no serious investigation by any government agency to determine why these people are dying and being seriously and permanently injured by these vaccines. What we do see is a continuous series of cover-ups and evasions by the vaccine makers and their promoters. The war against effective, cheap and very safe repurposed drugs and natural compounds that have proven beyond all doubt to have saved millions of lives all over the world has not only continued but has stepped up in intensity. Doctors are told they cannot provide these life-saving compounds for their patients. 
and if they do, they will be removed from the hospital, have their medical licence removed, or be punished in many other ways. A great many pharmacies have refused to fill prescriptions for ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, despite the fact that millions of people have taken these drugs safely for over 60 years, in the case of hydroxychloroquine, and decades for ivermectin. This refusal to fill prescriptions is unprecedented and has been engineered by those wanting to prevent alternative methods of treatment, all based on protecting vaccine expansion to all. Several companies that make hydroxychloroquine agreed to empty their stocks of the drug by donating them to the strategic national stockpile, making this drug far more difficult to get. Why would the government do that when over 30 well-done studies have shown that this drug reduced deaths anywhere from 66 to 92% in other countries such as India, Egypt, Argentina, France, Nigeria, Spain, Peru, Mexico and others? The critics of these two life-saving drugs are most often funded by Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci, both of whom are making millions from these vaccines. To further stop the use of these drugs, the pharmaceutical industry and Bill Gates stroke Anthony Fauci funded fake research to make the case that hydroxychloroquine was a dangerous drug and could damage the heart. To make this fraudulent case, the researchers administered the sickest of COVID patients a near-lethal dose of the drug in a dose far higher than used on any COVID patient by Dr. Corey McCulloch and other real and compassionate doctors, physicians who were actually treating COVID patients. The controlled lapdog media, of course, hammered the public with stories of the deadly effect of hydroxychloroquine, all with a terrified look of fake panic. All these stories of ivermectin dangers were shown to be untrue and some of the stories were incredibly preposterous. The attack on ivermectin was even more vicious than against hydroxychloroquine. All of this and a great deal more is meticulously chronicled in Robert Kennedy Jr.'s excellent new book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. If you are truly concerned with the truth and with all that has occurred since this atrocity started, you must not only read but study this book carefully. It is fully referenced and covers all topics in great detail. This is a designed human tragedy of biblical proportions by some of the most vile, heartless psychopaths in history. Millions have been deliberately killed and crippled, not only by this engineered virus, but by the vaccine itself and by the draconian measures used by these governments to control the pandemic spread, in quotes. We must not ignore the deaths by despair caused by these draconian measures, which can exceed hundreds of thousands. Millions have starved in third world countries as a result. In the United States alone, of the 800,000 who died, claimed by the medical bureaucracies, well over 600,000 of those deaths were the result of the purposeful neglect of early treatment, blocking the use of highly effective and safe repurposed drugs, such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and the forced use of deadly treatments such as remdesivir and the use of ventilators. This does not count the deaths of despair and neglected medical care caused by the lockdown and hospital measures forced on healthcare systems. To compound all this, because of vaccine mandates among all per hospital personnel, thousands of nurses and other hospital workers have resigned or been fired. This has resulted in critical shortages of these vital healthcare workers and dangerous reductions of ICU beds in many hospitals. In addition, as occurred in the Lewis County healthcare system, a specialty hospital system in Lowville, New York, closed its maternity unit following the resignation of 30 hospital staff over the state's disastrous vaccine mandate orders. The irony in all these cases of resignations is that the administrators unhesitatingly accepted these mass staffing losses despite rantings about suffering from short staffing during the crisis. This is especially puzzling when we learn that the vaccines did not prevent viral transmission and the present predominant variant is of extremely low pathogenicity. Dangers of the vaccines are increasingly revealed by science. 
While most researchers, virologists, infectious disease researchers and epidemiologists have been intimidated into silence, a growing number of high-integrity individuals with tremendous expertise have come forward to tell the truth. That is, that these vaccines are deadly. Most new vaccines must go through extensive safety testing for years before they are approved. New technologies such as the mRNA and DNA vaccines require a minimum of 10 years of careful testing and extensive follow-up. These new so-called vaccines were tested for only two months, and then the results of these safety tests were and continue to be kept secret. Testimony before Senator Ron Johnson by several who participated in the two-month study indicates that virtually no follow-up of the participants of the pre-release study was ever done. Complaints of complications were ignored, and despite promises by Pfizer that all medical expenses caused by the vaccines would be paid by Pfizer, these individuals stated that none were paid. Some medical expenses exceed $100,000. As an example of the deception by Pfizer and the other makers of mRNA vaccines is the case of 12-year-old Maddie Degare, who participated in the Pfizer vaccine pre-release safety study. At Senator Johnson's presentation with the families of the vaccine injured, her mother told of her child's recurrent seizures that she is now confined to a wheelchair, must be tube-fed and suffers permanent brain damage. On the Pfizer safety evaluation submitted to the FDA, her only side effect is listed as having a stomachache. Each person submitted similar horrifying stories. The Japanese resorted to a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit to force Pfizer to release its secret biodistribution study. The reason Pfizer wanted it kept secret is that it demonstrated that Pfizer lied to the public and the regulatory agencies about the fate of the injected vaccine contents, the mRNA-enclosed nanolipid carrier. They claimed that it remained at the site of the injection, the shoulder, when in fact their own study found that it rapidly spread throughout the entire body by the bloodstream within 48 hours. The study also found that these deadly nanolipid carriers collected in very high concentrations in several organs, including the reproductive organs of males and females, the heart, the liver, the bone marrow and the spleen, a major immune organ. The highest concentration was in the ovaries and the bone marrow. These nanolipid carriers also were deposited in the brain. Dr Ryan Cole, a pathologist from Idaho, reported a dramatic spike in highly aggressive cancers among vaccinated individuals, not reported in the media. He found a frighteningly high incidence of highly aggressive cancers in vaccinated individuals, especially highly invasive melanomas, in young people and uterine cancers in women. Other reports of activation of previously controlled cancers are also appearing among vaccinated cancer patients. Thus far, no studies have been done to confirm these reports, but it is unlikely such studies will be done, at least studies funded by grants from the NIH. The high concentration of spike proteins found in the ovaries in the biodistribution study could very well impair fertility in young women, alter menstruation and could put them at an increased risk of ovarian cancer. The high concentration in the bone marrow could also put the vaccinated at high risk of leukaemia and lymphoma. The leukaemia risk is very worrisome now that they have started vaccinating children as young as five years of age. No long-term studies have been conducted by any of these makers of COVID-19 vaccines, especially as regards the risk of cancer induction. Chronic inflammation is intimately linked to cancer induction, growth and invasion, and vaccines stimulate inflammation. Cancer patients are being told they should get vaccinated with these deadly vaccines. This, in my opinion, is insane. Newer studies have shown that this type of vaccine inserts the spike protein within the nucleus of the immune cells, and most likely many cell types, and once there inhibits two very important DNA repair enzymes, BRCA1 and 53BP1, whose duty it is to repair damage to the cell's DNA. Unrepaired DNA damage plays a major role in cancer. There is a hereditary disease called xeroderma pigmentosum 
in which the DNA repair enzymes are defective. These ill-fated individuals develop multiple skin cancers and very high incidence of organ cancer as a result. Here we have a vaccine that does the same thing, but to a less extensive degree. One of the defective repair enzymes caused by these vaccines is called BRCA1, which is associated with a significantly higher incidence of breast cancer in women and prostate cancer in men. It should be noted that no studies were ever done on several critical aspects of this type of vaccine. They have never been tested for long-term effects. They have never been tested for induction of autoimmunity. They have never been properly tested for safety during any stage of pregnancy. No follow-up studies have been done on the babies of vaccinated women. There are no long-term studies on the children of vaccinated pregnant women after their birth, especially as neurodevelopmental milestones occur. It has never been tested for effects on a long list of medical conditions, diabetes, heart disease, atherosclerosis, neurodegenerative diseases, neuropsychiatric effects, induction of autism spectrum disorders and schizophrenia, long-term immune function, vertical transmission of defects and disorders, cancer, autoimmune disorders. Previous experience with the flu vaccines clearly demonstrates that the safety studies done by researchers and clinical doctors with ties to pharmaceutical companies were essentially all either poorly done or purposely designed to falsely show safety and cover up side effects and complications. This was dramatically demonstrated with the previously mentioned phony studies designed to indicate that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were ineffective and too dangerous to use. These fake studies resulted in millions of deaths and severe health disasters worldwide. As stated, 80% of all deaths were unnecessary and could have been prevented with inexpensive, safe, repurposed medications with a very long safety history among millions who have taken them for decades or even a lifetime. It is beyond ironic that those claiming that they are responsible for protecting our health approved a poorly tested set of vaccines that has resulted in more deaths in less than a year of use than all the other vaccines combined given over the past 30 years. Their excuse when confronted was, we had to overlook some safety measures because this was a deadly pandemic. In 1986, President Reagan signed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which gave blanket protection to pharmaceutical makers of vaccines against injury litigation by families of vaccine-injured individuals. The Supreme Court, in a 57-page opinion, ruled in favour of the vaccine companies, effectively allowing vaccine makers to manufacture and distribute dangerous, often ineffective vaccines to the population without fear of legal consequences. The court did insist on a vaccine injury compensation system, which has paid out only a very small number of rewards to a large number of severely injured individuals. It is known that it is very difficult to receive these awards. According to the Health Resources and Services Administration, since 1988, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Programme, VICP, has agreed to pay 3,597 awards among 19,098 vaccine-injured individuals applying, amounting to a total sum of $3.8 billion. This was prior to the introduction of the COVID-19 vaccines, in which the deaths alone exceed all deaths related to all the vaccines combined over a 30-year period. In 2018, President Trump signed into law the Right to Try law, which allowed the use of experimental drugs and all unconventional treatments to be used in cases of extreme medical conditions. As we have seen with the refusal of many hospitals and even blanket refusal by states to allow ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine or any other unapproved official methods to treat even terminal COVID-19 cases, these nefarious individuals have ignored this law. Strangely, they did not use this same logic or the law when it came to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, both of which had undergone extensive safety testing by over 30 clinical studies of a high quality and given glowing reports on both efficacy and safety in numerous countries. In addition, we had a record of use for up to 60 years by millions of people using these drugs worldwide with an excellent safety record. 
It was obvious that a group of very powerful people in conjunction with pharmaceutical conglomerates didn't want the pandemic to end and wanted vaccines as the only treatment option. Kennedy's book makes this case using extensive evidence and citations. Dr. James Thorpe, an expert in maternal fetal medicine, demonstrates that these COVID-19 vaccines given during pregnancy have resulted in a 50-fold higher incidence of miscarriage than reported with all other vaccines combined. When we examine his graph on fetal malformations, there was a 144-fold higher incidence of fetal malformation with the COVID-19 vaccines given during pregnancy as compared to all other vaccines combined. Yet, the American Academy of Obstetrics and Gynaecology and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology endorse the safety of these vaccines for all stages of pregnancy and among women breastfeeding their babies. It is noteworthy that these medical specialty groups have received significant funding from Pfizer Pharmaceutical Company. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology, just in the fourth quarter of 2010, received a total of $11,000 from Pfizer Pharmaceutical Company alone. Funding from NIH grants are much higher. The best way to lose these grants is to criticise the source of the funds, their products or pet programmes. Peter Duesberg, because of his daring to question Fauci's pet theory of AIDS caused by HIV virus, was no longer awarded any of the 30 grant applications he submitted after going public. Prior to this episode, as the leading authority on retroviruses in the world, he had never been turned down for an NIH grant. This is how the corrupted system works, even though much of the grant money comes from our taxes. Hot lots, deadly batches of the vaccines. A new study has now surfaced, the results of which are terrifying. A researcher at Kingston University in London has completed an extensive analysis of the VAERS data, a sub-department of the CDC which collects voluntary vaccine complication data, in which he grouped reported deaths following the vaccines according to the manufacturer's lot numbers of the vaccines. Vaccines are manufactured in large batches called lots. What he discovered was that the vaccines are divided into over 20,000 lots and that one out of every 200 of these batches, lots, is demonstrably deadly to anyone who receives a vaccine from that lot, which includes thousands of vaccine doses. He examined all manufactured vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, etc. He found that among every 200 batches of the vaccine from Pfizer and other makers, one batch of the 200 was found to be over 50 times more deadly than vaccine batches from other lots. The other vaccine lots were also causing deaths and disabilities, but nowhere near to this extent. These deadly batches should have appeared randomly among all vaccines if it was an unintentional event. However, he found that 5% of the vaccines were responsible for 90% of the serious adverse events, including deaths. The incidence of deaths and serious complications among these hot lots varied from over 1,000% to several thousand percent higher than comparable safer lots. If you think this was by accident, think again. This is not the first time hot lots were, in my opinion, purposefully manufactured and sent across the nation, usually vaccines designed for children. In one such scandal, hot lots of a vaccine ended up all in one state and the damage immediately became evident. What was the manufacturer's response? It wasn't to remove the deadly batches of the vaccine. He ordered his company to scatter the hot lots across the nation so that authorities would not see the obvious deadly effect. Now, I'm sorry to leave you on a cl cliffhanger here, but there's quite an amount of the um, article still to go. And I want to cover a couple of other things before the end of the show. But I really want to get this out um, because, as you probably gathered by now, it's got absolutely, um, you know, sensational information in there, which contradicts everything that the powers that be have been trying to convince of us, us of in relation to a so-called pandemic and what has been administered to people under the guise of a pandemic. Um, 
deadly bioweapon vaccines. So I will be doing um, the rest of this article in a part two of this. And that will be put up on the podcast channels and in the archives. So let me move on to the next topic, which was about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Oh, just before I do that, I just want to read the headline of an article that was published um, on the 6th. And we've suspected for quite some time that people in positions of power, the elites and so on, even though they were looking as though or play acting getting the vaccine, they weren't actually doing so. And guess what? Police charge big pharma boss with falsifying his COVID vaccination status. And this is the head of European pharmaceuticals giant Pharma Ma has been charged by police with being falsely vaccinated against COVID-19. And apparently there are quite a number of other high profile people who have done the same thing, paid something up to $200,000 to get a falsified vaccine status. Now, this is an interesting opinion piece, and this is from Super Nana's newsletter on Substack. We are all fighting Amber Heard, and it's written by Quinn Dixept, and it was earlier today, actually. Um, the Depp versus Heard trial showed how the media, Hollywood, and these special interest groups lie, cheat, and steal to keep control of our hearts and minds in an effort to control us. Everyone, regardless of your feelings, should watch Depp versus Heard. I was mocked for my interest in this trial, but I saw something happening and I wasn't the only one. There is so much knowledge to be gained by watching Amber Heard and the way she manipulated the system to portray a fake reality. Amber Heard is the perfect example of what we are fighting. They target a victim, create a narrative, use the mainstream media and these shady organisations to sell it, and just like that, they ruin lives. The amount of eyes on this trial cannot be overstated. It was massive. Johnny Depp, like Trump, decided to fight the machine. He took on the mainstream media, Disney, the ACLU and Hollywood. And even though the odds were stacked against him, he won. How? It was simple. He told the truth. The truth is a force of nature. Depp's life was laid bare. It was embarrassing for him to reveal intimate details but in doing so, he revealed the truth. He was the one abused, not heard. He knew he was up against powerful odds, but he didn't back down even after losing the case in the UK. He persisted. This is the kind of tenacity we all need to have as we fight to rid our country of these powerful psychopaths that seek to destroy our way of life. Let's look at some of Amber Heard's tactics. She used out-of-context photos, edited video and photos to create a story that Depp had abused her. She either bribed or threatened her friends to lie for her. She even got her own sister to lie under oath. She promised her $7 million divorce settlement to the ACLU, which to this day she has not actually donated. She wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post, leaked an edited video to TMZ, she used stage photos of Johnny asleep, even going so far as to spill ice cream on him, bought a bunch of Twitter bots to fake support. Even now, her Twitter timeline is filled with bots, all saying the same exact positive supportive thing. Sound familiar? It should. This is exactly what the political corporate world has been doing to us for decades. We are seeing it now again with Ukraine. Video game photos passed off as real. Zelensky held up as a hero. Are political idiots all going to Ukraine to create a narrative and bribe their way out of the mess they created by laundering our money, funding biolabs and enabling Nazis? During Covid they used photos of body bags with fake dead people. They leaked videos of actors passing out in the street. They got the MSM, Hollywood and our political leaders to lie to us by either bribing them, blackmailing them or threatening them. They buy bots to make it look like everyone supports their lunacy, but we caught them. We are exposing it. I'd like to think it's because one man gave us the fortitude and hoped to do it. Donald J. Trump. A popular method they use to trick us is gaslighting. 
Gaslighting is making someone question their own reality. You see the truth, but they tell you that's not what you're seeing. They lie over and over until you start to question if you're really seeing what you're seeing. And it includes a video uh, of Amber Heard trying to gaslight the jury of the meaning on the meaning of pledged versus donated. This is crucial because the UK trial was a judge trial, not a jury trial. And the judge used the notion that Heard donated the money to charity as a marker for her credibility. But as of this date, she still has not donated one penny of her settlement. When Q said we're watching a movie, do you understand what that means? Nothing we see is real. It's all out of context photos and edited videos and liars weaving a fake narrative to keep us under their control. Depp pulled back the curtain and like Trump, he exposed it. This takes great courage because they used all their powers to crush him and he still won. Multiply what Depp had to endure by the entire world and you will now understand what Trump is fighting. This trial is red-pilling people on a mass scale to just how bad the MSM is when it comes to their slant. Those who love the MSM and don't know they outright lie are seeing it in real life. This trial is an indictment of the mainstream media. Millions of people watch the entire trial and they are seeing the mainstream media lie to them about what they actually saw. I'm seeing people in shock as the MSM they worshipped lie right to their face. The media has gone on an all-out attack of their own reputation because they lied from the get-go and they can't admit they were wrong, so they double down on the lie. People are going, wait, if they are outright lying about this, what else have they lied to me about? People are going to independent media to get the truth, which is why we have to be very careful to seek the truth and spread the truth. We truly are becoming the news now, handle with care. The red pilling is creating a wave because many abuse survivors went into this trial supporting Amber Heard and after watching the trial switched to supporting and identifying with Depp and seeing their cause mocked and lied about it. It is waking them up to how horrible our MSM culture has become. This is red pilling an entirely different section of people. Taylor Lorenz, a, writing, a writer for the Washington Post, was called out for outright lying about reaching out for comment to YouTube influence, influencers reporting on the debt trial. Washington Post did a stealth edit trying to cover up their mess and Lorenz blamed the editors. It blew up in their faces and a whole new group was red-pilled about the lengths our media will go to lie to us. Tracy Beans wrote, So again, the significance of the Depp Heard case can't be understated. Taylor Lorenz wrote an article trying to slander the YouTube accounts covering the case that held all of the influence. So unsurprisingly, she lied about them. Now their entire audience is doubting all of the reporting over at Washington Post and others. These are newbies to media deception. CNN was smart enough to recognise this and has jumped on board against Lorenz, hoping to maintain some influence with these folks. It's over. Huge. There is whole sect fighting with us that we didn't really notice until Johnny Depp. Lawtube, Rikieta Law, Runkle of the Bailey, Viva Frey, Dewey Guy, Law and Crime. These are Canadian and American lawyers who see what's happening and are fighting it right alongside of us. Conclusion. We are creating our own Galt's Gulch, a new society of independent journalists, independent lawyers, independent Hollywood actors, independent athletes, independent businesses, independent social media, and I believe we will see more and more independent monetary systems. More and more people will wake up and leave the corrupt system to join our free and independent system, one where they are truly free and don't have to toe a line that they themselves feel inside is disturbing and wrong. Watch the ridiculousness of these idiots we are fighting using the same words over and over to brainwash, gaslighting, lying. It's so crazy you just have to laugh. This is what a new group of people witnessed and it woke them up. Everyone has a different red pill experience and this one was huge. The entire world watched this and if you haven't, you should. Keep fighting, advance. 
And just before I finish for, to, for today, or at least part one, I uh, just want a quick mention of what's happening on the 9th tomorrow. And this is from And Magazine. Now we have show trials right here at home, the January 6th committee to begin public hearings. More than 500 days after January 6, 2021, the committee investigating the alleged insurrection is ready to show its work. The House Select Committee will hold its first public hearing this week. We are promised that we will see stunning, never-before-seen evidence of just how close we came to having an armed coup carried out in the nation's capital. Incidentally, Fox News is not showing it on their main channel, but on Fox Business, I believe. They're carrying on with the normal Carlson um, lineup and so on. Anyway, I don't have time to go into that. I hope you've enjoyed the show, that you'll um, look out for part two to come up in the podcast channel and that um, you'll join me next, next week, or should I say Saturday, for another edition of the Cosmic Creating Show. Thank you to Nancy for producing and to Derek Condit of mysticalwares.com for sponsoring the Cosmic Reality Radio Station. So until next time, be safe, stay well and bye. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.